the Philistines are fighting Saul, while the Amalekites are fighting David. One is victorious, while the other falls. On the Bible Brief. Pick up your Bible and read along with us today. Learning happens better with a Bible in your hand. David had been on the march with the Philistine army, marching as they approached the valley that Saul had been overlooking. David was probably getting more concerned by the minute that he might have to actually go up in battle against his fellow Israelites, and he was trying to find some way to escape this pressing situation. But Yahweh was working, and in this case, he's working through the suspicion of the Philistines. Out of the blue, David is called into the presence of the Philistine king, and Achish tells him news that he must have been relieved to hear. Achish says that his other commanders have demanded that David not go up with them into battle. They fear that despite David's apparent loyalty to Achish, that he will betray them in a moment to try to regain the favor of King Saul. These commanders had heard that song in Israel that was sung, Saul has struck his thousands and David his ten thousands. And these men didn't want to be on the wrong end of David's successful sword. So Achish relieves David and his men from their duties, while the Philistine army continues its march to the valley. Soon they will meet Saul in battle, a foolish king rejected by God and reduced by his fear. Free from his obligation to Achish, David journeys with his 600 men back to the city of Ziklag in the southern part of the land of Canaan. Ziklag is David's little oasis of his rule in the midst of Philistine territory. And no doubt David's men were looking forward to seeing their wives and children back at home base. However, as they approach the city, they don't hear the children laughing or the babies crying. No one runs out to embrace them. As they come closer, they see that the city has been burned to a crisp. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken, and David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself, and Yahweh is God. David goes from confident leader of his band of 600 men to distress that they might stone him. The men are so distraught at the loss of their families that they look for someone to blame. And David, the man who brought them to this Philistine land and who had taken the men up to battle with him, well, he was the easy target of their ire. Yet we read that David strengthened himself in Yahweh his God. Despite the threat of death by stoning, David turned to God. Perhaps he thought of Moses also being threatened by the Israelites in the wilderness. He perhaps understood that men of God are often put under such pressure that only God can bring them through. So through the priest Abiathar, David asks God if he should pursue the Amalekites who had done this raid against the city. And God says this to David, Pursue, 
for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men. Two hundred stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. Exhausted from the journey to Ziklag and from the anguish of their discovery, David's band of soldiers shrinks by a third, and he takes the rest in continued pursuit of the Amalekite enemy. Soon, they meet a parched and starving Egyptian who had been a servant of an Amalekite. He'd been left for dead because he'd become sick during the raids that the Amalekites had done in Canaan. So David and his men feed the man and give him water to drink so that he recovers, and then they get down to business. You can imagine, they want to know where the Amalekites had taken their wives and sons and daughters, and they cut a deal with this Egyptian man. They won't harm him, and in return, he'll show them the way. Now, they're hot on the heels of the Amalekites. And when David and his men finally catch up, they see that the Amalekites were spread all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of the tribe of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. The endurance of David's men is rewarded as they finally catch up to the Amalekites who are reveling in the spoils of victory. They appear drunk and disorganized, and David's men quickly strike down their Amalekite enemies. Miraculously, David and his men recover every single good and every single person who had been removed from the city of Ziklag, along with spoil from their enemies' other aggressions. After this battle with the Amalekites, the men must have felt an incredible joy mixed with a measure of whiplash. They had begun their journey thinking that they would all be going against their fellow Israelites in battle. Then upon the Philistine release, they came to Ziklag to discover the city destroyed with all their families taken captive. Joy at leaving the battle with the Philistines was replaced with anger at David and weeping for their families. Yet now after pursuing the kidnappers, their joy returned as they embraced their wives and children, whom they thought they may have lost forever. This wild few days ends in Ziklag as David and his men begin picking up the pieces of their burned city. About 80 miles north, however, a new development has occurred in the war between Philistia and Israel, a development foretold by Samuel from beyond the grave. Saul's fears become a reality. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. And the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, 
and all his men on the same day together. Saul is dead. Three of Saul's sons are dead, and Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. Just as Samuel had said, so it came to pass. God had rejected Saul for disobeying his command to destroy the Amalekites, and for his disobedience and continued rebellion against God, Saul finally met his end. What could have been a family dynasty was destroyed by the disobedience of the ruler of Israel. Saul's life ends in suicide. But 80 miles south in Ziklag, David doesn't hear about this development until three days later, and he finds out from perhaps the most unlikely person. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 1. On the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp, and with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. David said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did the battle go? Tell me. And he answered, The people fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead. And Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? This news from the apparent battle escapee surely hit David like a train. But before he lets himself believe it, he wants to make sure that this man isn't ill-informed himself. He asks a question to the man, and what comes from the man is a rather dubious story with rather convincing evidence. The young man said, By chance I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning upon his spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called to me. And I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, yet my life still lingers. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head, and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. This Amalekite would have David believe that he just happened to be in the middle of a war zone on Mount Gilboa, and he just came upon Saul who wasn't quite dead. Saul then apparently told this Amalekite to strike him through to put him out of his misery. And after obeying Saul, the Amalekite apparently stripped him of the signs of kingship, his crown and his armlet, to bring them down to Ziklag to see David. Though there may be elements of truth in this Amalekite's story, far more likely is that the Amalekite thinks he can curry favor with the coming king by being the one to slay David's kingdom adversary. Little does this man know that David is a man after God's heart, a man who wouldn't dare kill Saul, even when he had the chance. We read this. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him, and they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am the son of a sojourner, an Amalekite. And David said to him, How is it that you were not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of his young men and said, Go, execute him. And he struck the Amalekite down so that he died. And David said to him, 
your blood be on your own head, for your mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Saul had been elevated from the least reputable tribe and the least liked city in all of Israel. He was from Benjamin. He was from Gibeah. Yet he'd been elevated by God, anointed by Samuel, and empowered by the Spirit of God as the first king of Israel. He'd been elevated, but his disobedience was his downfall. As king, he forgot that he was still subject to a greater king, the king of heaven, God himself. God commanded Saul that he should devastate all the Amalekites down to the livestock so that anything that breathed of the Amalekites would be killed as a judgment upon them. Yet Saul deviated from God's command, and this would be his tragic sin, the sin that would lead to the end of his dynasty and his replacement by a man after God's own heart. Saul's end would be an ironic twist on his very disobedience. On the day that Israel is defeated in battle, David defeats the Amalekites that Saul failed to conquer. On the day of his death, the signs of his kingship are stripped off his dead body by an Amalekite scavenger. The very people who he had been commanded to destroy are intimately connected with his death and with the rise of his anointed successor. With the death of Saul, David's time has come. Join us next time as war breaks out in Israel. David's dynasty rises, but Saul's dynasty won't end without a fight. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.